Hey there, all you ghouls and goblins. Radio 85.9 proudly brings to you the Horrorzoid Awards. All of tonight's trophies have been provided by Vincent's House of Wax Statues, and all guests will receive a complimentary Little Sam swag bag complete with a Holly Ho candy bar. And now, without further ado, your host for tonight's event, talking all things horror from the 80s, 90s, and today, Stevie Scares and Natalie Nightmare. Take it away, guys. Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you for using the Gregorian calendar, and thank you for tuning into another episode of Horrorzoid. I'm Stevie Scares. And I'm Natalie Nightmare. And tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this, fucking mid-morning, who cares? <laughs> you're feeding the dog. It's the Horrorzoid Awards. Hell yeah! And yes, I promise I'm wearing a tux. You can't see it right now, but I'm all tuxed out. And as I said, I'm in my pajamas. Uh, I'm also in my pajamas. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, we're we're psyched. We're having fun. We're all geared up for the Horrorzoid Awards. I know you're ready. Hell we're yeah. ready. We want to give all of our uh, rundown on 2022. Basically, if this is the first time you're listening to us. All we do is talk about horror movies, and here we are, 20-some-odd episodes later, and we're going to talk about the best of 2022. It's been a kick-ass year. It has been a kick-ass year. We've been happy to be part of it. We launched our podcast this year in 2022, so this year will always hold a special place in our heart, but regardless, it has been an amazing year for horror, Mm -hmm. and this is how we're going to pay homage to this year in horror with the 2022 first annual, first of many, we're hoping, (laughs) Horrorzoid Awards. Welcome, everybody. This is sure to be fun. Uh, and before we get into it, though, we're going to go over our housekeeping notes as usual. So bear with us while we get the legal stuff out of the way, and then we'll get <laughs> to the awards. Uh, first things first, leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Reviews and ratings and all that stuff helps us grow and elevates us as a podcast. Grow the Zoid Army. We want to grow the Zoid Army. You're a Zoid. He's a Zoid, she's a Zoid, we're all Zoids, hey, I think is how the song went. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. Uh, so yes, leave us a review wherever you can. Email us at horrorzoidpod at gmail.com. We are always looking for scary stories, anything paranormal that you think has happened to you, that you feel has happened to you. We want to hear about it. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We want to read them on air. Yes. So please send us those anytime. Anytime. Next up, did you know you can also leave us voice messages? No. Tell yeah, I know. Yeah, that was one that that was one for a long time that Natalie did not know about. But no. yes, you can leave us a voice message. There's a link in this episode wherever you're listening to it where you can send us an audio message. Uh, we want to read those on air. So, or not read those. We want to answer them on air. Answer we want to play you on air. You will get to hear your voice on an episode of Horrorzoid <laughs> if you leave us a message. Do we're it while do we're it. still underground, and then you can be like really cool and original and shit. Exactly. If we blow up and you got to be on an early episode of Horrorzoid, <laughs> you're gonna be like one of those people's like, Nah, man, I was there. Episode like twenty three. Like, I was there. Yeah. You don't even know what it was like then. It was the end of 2022. It was the Horrorzoid Awards, man. <laughs> you, weren't even, you weren't there. You don't know about it. <laughs> 
Yes, send us a voice message. We love those. Also linked in this episode, you'll find a way to financially support the podcast. We do plan on launching Patreon here in 2023, Mm -hmm. so stay tuned for that. But until then, there is a link in this episode description. Just go there, click that, and you can send us whatever you think is fair, whether it's a penny, whether it's a million bucks. (laughs) We are open to it. Trust us. We're not going to throw anything away. Not at all. Exactly. That's going to... Was like you can't get papers in those machines anymore, can you? Where you like put the coin in, you lift it up and snag the paper out. No, I don't think so. No, now you just have the paywalls. Yeah. Like your friend links an article for the New York Times, and now you have to click. And it's like, ooh, behind this paywall. Yep. It's like, oh, no, God, we, I hate that shit. We used to have a literal paywall, yeah. and now we have metaphorical internet paywalls that yep, exist. Yep, pretty fucking weird. Yeah, it is weird. But yes, guys, that, those things don't exist anymore. But you can contribute a penny and make a penny go far and just, yeah, contribute to the podcast. Yeah. We're always happy to take it. Absolutely. We're Thank the you. Sticky Bandits. Sticky Bandits. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last but not least, of course, please send us your ideas for what you want to see on Patreon when we mm-hmm. launch it in the future. We are going to we have we're no sh- we're not short of ideas ourselves, but we want to hear what you want to hear. Yeah. If absolutely. you're going to be willing to contribute to us. We just want to please you guys. Exactly. We're people pleasers. Mm-hmm. If you haven't been able to tell yet, yeah. we like everything. We don't hate anything. Yep. Except when a stranger the calls. The saw is family. <laughs> <laughs> the saw is family. And for anything else, check out horrorzoid.com. You can check mm-hmm. out all of our social media and wherever you can listen to this podcast. If you have a friend who wants to listen but you're like like, oh, I don't use this one. Just send them to horrorzoid.com and we've got all the links up. And let me tell you what. I've had a few people say, you know, I've been listening to the podcast and I'm not even really into horror movies. And even though there's some things that I don't understand, I really fucking like listening to you guys. And that means a lot to me. Uh, I think that's pretty fucking cool. So even if you've got friends that uh, really don't watch horror movies, just make them listen to us anyway. We're fun. Yeah. As we said last week in our episode, we were... We started this podcast because we just want to feel like friends who are talking about movies. We're a married couple who mostly just spend time with each other. But when Mm -hmm. we have friends over and we have friends around, we like to talk about movies with them. And we just wanted you to feel like, you know, a third, fourth, fifth person in our friend group talking about movies with us. The Zoid is family. The Zoid is family. (laughs) The Zoid army is always growing. We're always happy to have more people here. We're all inclusive. We love everybody. Yes. There is not a single person out there that is not welcome to be a Zoid. Uh, Even including the person who commented on TikTok today (laughs) who said... uh, that uh, they're not they're out because uh, Natalie posted something with like some uh, five pointed inverted pentagram. Yeah, you know you're still welcome to be a part yep. of the Zoid army even if you don't like the pentagram. We're just a no hate group. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, yeah all love no hate over here. So, so yeah, you're all welcome unless you're hateful. Then exactly, fuck off. everybody's welcome. And uh, we don't have any shout outs this week. Uh, it's been a quiet week, but it was Christmas. It was the holidays. I understand people are doing stuff. People yep. are out. A lot of people listened. We got some good viewership and good listenership, but uh, yeah. I understand. It's the holidays. I we don't mean, all have time to stop and comment and smell the roses. Bingo. But if you were anything like us, you got hit with a little bit of a winter storm and you had time to listen and catch up to shit. So thank you all for listening to our holiday special from last week. That's right. And even if you're listening to this and it's summer, uh, listen to the holiday special anyway. You can get a little cool in your life. Yeah. I always have to remind myself that not everybody is going to be listening to this. Like our <laughs> old episodes from earlier this year are mm-hmm. still getting played. Yeah. And I just think to myself, I'm like, God, if we said anything about whatever that month was, like people are going to be like, oh, that... Yeah, that was a thing. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't know. I think that that shit's kind of fun. I love hopping in on a podcast and you're like, all right, let me just 
binge like 200 episodes yeah. and you go back and it's like three years ago and they're talking about shit and you're like oh yeah right. i remember when that happened yes. I, I remember i relate to this yeah those are those are some of the fun episodes to listen to of a podcast especially yeah. if you do discover it halfway through can you imagine somebody who's listening to this right now it's gonna be so fucking meta that we're talking <laughs> about it three years in the future and they're listening to it three years in the future Thanks, Wes Craven, for inspiring all of us meta horror fans here. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So that was all the housekeeping notes. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. Again, no shout-outs this week, so we're just going to get into the Horrorzoid Awards. And most award shows, uh, you've got to wait for the big prize, the best film, the best picture. It's always the last. The Golden Globes, the Oscars, it's always the last thing you see. The best ofs, yeah. Right. Always, always at the end. You have to go through all of these things and... You know, it's not that those aren't important at all, uh, but everyone wants to know what the best things are. But we said, fuck that, flipped it on its head, and we're going to start with, and there's not one winner, there's a one winner for each of us here, but we are going to start with best film of 2022. Yes, and we both actually agreed on what the best film of 2022 was, yes. and for each of us, it was Barbarian. Barbarian, yes. Barbarian is our best film of the year. You heard us gush about it mm-hmm. a few months back on the show when we did our double feature yeah. about Barbarian and Pearl. Our first double feature episode. Like We literally recorded that the day, I think, after seeing Barbarian, and we've obviously had a lot of time to digest it and mm-hmm. think about how much more we love that movie, because... It's got a lot to unpack in it. it. It does. And for us to name it the best film of the year, we're not sitting here and taking that lightly. You know, it's no. like, yes, we like to have fun, but we legitimately sat and thought about this, discussed this in depth mm-hmm. about what the best film was. And I think we both, we considered several movies. I think the one that almost did it for both of us that almost came to the top was Terrifier 2. Yeah. You know, had a great year and we'll get to Terrifier 2 later. It's definitely won some Horrorzoid Awards mm-hmm. uh, tonight. So, uh But yeah, Barbarian just stood head and shoulders above everybody else this year. And again, we know that's a heavy statement and we don't take it lightly. And yeah, Barbarian did. It really did. It's like it after all of was said and done, all the thought I put into it, I can't name a better horror film than Barbarian. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, um, you know, we can't just watch movies all the time, no matter how much we'd want to. And so, yeah, there's definitely movies and things that we haven't seen this year. Uh, so if, you know, we don't mention yours, I would love to know. We've been getting a lot of answers of that on TikTok. Uh, but yeah, Barbarian is just, it, it felt like a whole package to me. And with a lot of the message in it, I, being a woman, a femme presenting person, appreciate a lot of these things because it's very much so just fucking listen to women and stop being a stupid man because that's a lot of the shit in this movie. Um, obviously everybody hates Justin Long's character, even though it's Justin Long, because he's a piece of shit fucking human who's abused a woman. Yeah. The, the statements that they make, like you said, with Justin Long's character, uh, you know, he's this just slimy actor who thinks he can do whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. And, and he, you, you can tell though, like you're, you're kind of split though. Cause like you said, Justin Long, he brings this. Likeability to the role. It's a good cast. It's it's what I I've seen a few people refer to as uh, the promising young woman casting style. You pick someone who's so likable, right? And he usually plays you know these amazing good guys, super sweet. You know you would you would die for that man, and then you make him someone who's sexually assaulted somebody and he's trying to cover it up. Yeah, it, it's it's and he's getting brutal. sued and like it's. You feel this weird, 
like you he, you can see that he's got some remorse and you can he's see like, there's oh, some humanity mis- there and yeah. that's the thing and it's like you get the vibe that i was getting ready to say you you get the vibe that he comes from humble beginnings you know there in detroit you know mm-hmm. where the setting of the movie is you know this kind of urban detroit area uh, and it shows, you know, he bought the house and just kind of let it go to the neighborhood went to hell and he didn't really keep up with it. And, yeah. You know, but he's, he's also now just like a, an asshole movie star with so much money. He's like one of those people who has like someone who manages his money. Like, bingo. Yeah. Whole, he's got a financial planner. Yeah, financial he's got advisor. A, a property manager for this house that he never sees. That mm-hmm. is the subject of the film. You know, the yeah. Airbnb that our main character mm-hmm. Tess goes into. And, yeah. And is and you know becomes the victim of this fucking right subterranean yeah. creature. There's so much going on here. We go from Justin Long being a piece of shit human <laughs> and the themes of feminism and all that mm-hmm. to this giant fucking just colossal woman that is living below this house that yeah. Justin Long's character owns and that these two characters in the beginning of the film, Tess and Keith, are staying at. Right. And it's like, I love how everything is just so interwoven. Like, I know, like, we just ran through it, the Cliff's Notes version, and you're probably like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> but it, it's it's like, it all comes full circle. Like, Well, it, there's something that I really like about the fact that the way it's filmed, and this obviously goes into another reason why I think it's best film, a lot of people found it really jarring the way it cuts from the basement scene to Justin Long and the convertible on the side of the, like, the ocean drive kind of thing. But... I love that, but the way it flows, you do get the shock, and then it pulls you back, and then it shocks you again, and then it pulls back, and then it shocks you again, and it's like the movie continues to do that, whether it's, um, you know, her storyline, his storyline, or when it goes even back further, and you have the serial killer, Frank, uh, Frank, for you know where you get uh mom, the mother from, yeah, and the thing is like. And you get a great uh, role from Richard Brake. Absolutely. So another reason why it's yeah. one of our best movies. Like, look at that cast alone. Justin yeah. Long, Richard Brake, Keith. Uh, uh, Keith is played by Bill Skarsgård. Right. I mean, you've got an amazing fucking cast in yeah, that movie. Yeah, the casting's alone. beautiful. The way it's set up is beautiful. It was a frustrating movie to watch because I just wanted to be like, no, don't go in the fucking house. Like, I feel like it's one of those that you're just, like, screaming at your TV the whole you're time. You're yelling. You're like, girl, don't go in yeah, there. Girl, like, don't go in there. Girl, don't go in there. And then you're like, Keith, don't go down there. Keith, And yes. then you're like, Keith, just listen to her. And then it gets to Justin, and you're like, oh, my God, fuck this guy. Like, you hate him in the first, you know, like, minute. They, they do it perfect. You hate him within the first minute. I would even argue that... The way he's singing the song, singing along with the song, and just kind of like enjoying the convertible. He's almost enjoying the convertible ride in a dickish way. It's like there's a way that actors will act when they are like joyously and innocently celebrating something. Then there's other ways where actors really put on their fucking shoes and Mm -hmm. they... Oh my God. It's just a super entitlement. They completely flip. And Justin Long does that. Like privilege just to be driving on the same road as me. Like, exactly, he's just he has that that ugh. attitude and that swagger to him. Even just in the way he's listening to the song and driving yeah. in the car, he literally embodies the look of nothing can touch me right now. Right. And when he gets that phone call, but that's the attitude he has the whole time. Like when he's on the phone with the lawyer, when he's yeah. talking to the financial advisor, there's even one when he's talking he to the guy it. in the bar. There's one moment where he drops it, and it's the phone call. The phone call, yeah. 
that fucking phone call, which Kate Bosworth, his real life girlfriend, great right. cameo, and all you hear is her voice. Her voice. But amazing that conversation mm-hmm. and how, like you said, he has this bravado to him, this untouchable mm-hmm. quality to him, but he drops it. Yeah, he does. In that call, in my opinion. And I think I it agree. just, it's like he has the facade. He drops it, and then, of course, he gets right back into it. Yeah. The minute he gets down in that fucking hole. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And here's the thing, too. You you watch the first part of that movie, and, you know, it it sets off your your creepy vibes really quick. Like, when she wakes up and her door is open. It's, you know, it, and, and you talk the, about how the, it's filmed. It's like part of that is the beginning of that film and how oh, it's filmed. Yeah. I apologize. No, I no, didn't no. mean to interrupt, but it is... <laughs> No, you, I know you bring exactly. That up and it is filmed so well. It's like it is like great horror movie beats. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. And there's also even the way uh, it starts where the camera pans from inside the car through the window to the outside of the car. Like there's a lot of camera work alone that makes you feel really on edge. And then just the interaction that she has with Keith just makes it even worse. And you're just like, I can't fucking trust this guy. He's too nice. He knows that he just needs to be nice. To like get her close. Well, and you talk and, like, about you the, feel like that yeah. the whole time. But the thing that really fucks with me is when you get past him and you see her the first time when she goes down in the basement, she follows Keith and she gets all the way down to the catacombs and you see the mother. And as a first time watch, you're terrified because you don't know what it is that's down there yet. Because none of this was spoiled. We went and saw it like the week it came out. You don't know what's down there. And you just see this giant fucking shape. You don't know who she is. You don't know how she was created. You don't know why she was there. And then when you finally understand how she was. And why she is. And who she is. It is the most tragic character for me in that entire fucking movie. I know there's a lot of people that agree with me. Justice for Mother, 100%. And the ending is so sad because you have this final girl, this victim through the entire movie, who kills Mother because she is violent. I mean, she rips people from limb to limb. Right. She's very savage. so fucking sad. Yeah. And then it's the fact that, that Tess has to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's a fucking tragic ending. It's a tragic character, and they're all tragic characters, really, when you get down to it. It's like the movie is one of the most tragic films ever because it's like everybody has a tragic story. Well, like, because you realize Keith isn't a bad guy. Like, he is legitimately, he's... But you don't realize he's not the bad right, guy until because, it's too fucking late. Because you just keep thinking that he's just doing it to get her close because... We expected it. Even when he's down there. Because you can't trust a man in the middle of the night who's in a house that you're supposed to be in. Right. But even when he's down there in the tunnels and shit, you're and not you're like, like, I'm still never 100% I'm like, certain no, that he's, he's not going to do something. He's playing like he's lost down exactly. there. Exactly. And she's going to follow and she's going to get put into one of those fucking cages. Right. But then mother comes out of nowhere and slams his head against the wall. And, and it's only in that moment that you realize justice for keith too yeah because he was legitimately a good guy he's fucking terrified he was in it's so well done he's he's tragic tess is tragic because even though she gets to live throughout this whole thing she Mm -hmm. has to now live with With everything that that. happened to her i mean she saw multiple people die multiple people die uh justin long's character was ready to literally sacrifice her he did he he sacrificed her her and tried to kill her yeah and then she had to kill 
mama. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's it's she's tragic. Keith's tragic. Justin Long's character is tragic too because it looks like he's going to redeem himself. You have this moment where it's going to be redemptive for him, and it's amazing. But then he says something, and you're like, wrong. But, exactly, and it's just <laughs> he's he, the only he makes, one that I do, I don't give a fuck about. He's tragic, I don't, but he's but, tragic still. But yeah, it's, everybody in the film is a tragedy. Absolutely. That, it, I that, agree. Yeah, and I think that is the biggest takeaway is that it's just probably the most tragic, sad movie of the year. Yeah. And it's and I you think, either have characters yeah. who are just awful and that makes things that's that's shitty. Yeah. And then you have people who are really awesome that get killed and that's shitty. Right. And then you have the serial killer, which the scene in the basement when and that's one of those moments I was like, this is gonna be a redemption for Justin Long's character because and that's you know, we didn't really talk about it too much when we talked about Barbarian before, but the scene whenever he's in the catacombs and he finds the room in the back because the homeless man says that's not the scariest thing down there. Yeah. And it's not. Mother's not the scariest thing down there. The scariest thing is the serial killer who's Frank. still alive, yeah. Frank, who has kidnapped women and assaulted them and had children with them. Over and, and over and over and again. And this is a perfect example of a movie, especially again as a woman who doesn't like the shit in movies, of putting sexual assault in a movie without having to fucking show us. Because you can get the idea of what Frank does. He stalks the women yep. and he kidnaps them. And you see that little bit in the flashback. But when Justin Long is in that room with him and you see the names on the tapes, yep. and you put it together and Justin puts in a tape. And sees it, and you see they just show the look of absolute disgust and trauma on Justin Long, on his character's face. Yeah. And you can see that these were put on tape, which, like, you can piece together because Tess finds the room with the camcorder in the bed. It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. But it's a perfect example of making us feel, like, hatred towards someone who's so gross but not having to show us and traumatize us as an audience with shit that we don't want to fucking see. Yeah, we don't want to see. We don't need to see because to the, get just, the idea. Right, because just what is written on those tapes, vile. Well, and there's the, you talk about that. The scene that I think really hammered it home for me where I was like, this is so well done because it's just enough where we know what's happening, but mm-hmm. we don't need to see anything. Mm-hmm. And it's the scene where Frank steals the jumpsuit and goes into the woman's house, closes the door, and all you hear is the fucking scream. Right, yeah. And that's it. All you hear is a scream. You see the exterior of the house, and then it cuts to the next scene. And that, to me, is brilliant. I give Zach Kreger all the credit in the world. He fucking knocked it out of the park with this Mm -hmm. film and the way he... I just love the cinematography and the (laughs) film of it. And the film of it, But truly, I really do... I think he did an, a, a terrific job mm-hmm. of making you feel things without showing you things. Right. And that is the true craft of what I personally love about filmmaking. Right. Show me just enough to where I am disgusted, horrified, and I feel utter grotesque feelings. Yeah. Don't show me things that I'm going that are reprehensible and vile. Right. Make me feel those things without showing me those things. And that's right. that's really what Zach Kreger does beautifully. Because here. we've literally I mean, there's movies that I know I will never watch because of what's in them. Yeah. There's movies that we've not finished because of what we were shown. And there's just things that I feel like it can you know, the true horrors are what people do. What Frank does to these women mm-hmm. 
I am more scared of that than any fucking ghost or alien or anything because humans are the worst yeah. monsters in the world. And Frank is absolutely vile. But the way he films it, again, like you're saying, the scariest thing is your own mind piecing those things together. Mm-hmm. So when you can, you know, your imagination is limitless without even thinking of any images, you know what Justin's seeing on the tapes. You know what f- is happening to that woman when Frank goes into the house. Like, we don't need to see it. And it's it's just so beautifully done because it makes you feel everything, you know? It's a visceral movie. I agree. It, it makes you feel every single thing that's going on in that movie from Tess being down in that hole and you mm-hmm. realize what she's been living for two weeks. I mean, we right, literally... Being it's being bottle like, fed by a mother. By, and God yeah, knows what's in the fucking just bottle. Just doing what she can to survive. Right. You know, it's like for, for but that... But she's to, also the only character being the the main you know the woman in the movie who understands and empathizes with the mother she's like she just wants to take care of you it, and like yeah. she survives because she understands what's going on whereas everyone else is so fucking terrified that they can't take a second to figure out what she's doing because i'm sorry no one's gonna try to breastfeed you if they're not actually trying to breastfeed you. Like, I don't feel like that's a scare tactic, you know? <laughs> I, I, but, that would be a really fucking intimidation move right there. It's a scene in the movie that's really uncomfortable it's a because. Bold fucking move to bring to a fight. <laughs> but it's a scene in the movie that's really scary because it is this, you know, they are grown men. And, you know, but you realize this is the shit that's been happening to Tess for two weeks. And she's probably just, she's her, her fight or flight kicked in and the fight is winning excessively because she lasts in there for weeks. And then you see what happens whenever the fucking men come back. It's just no man ever listens to her in this movie. There's so many things that they could have avoided. If Keith wasn't one of the, I just got to see it for myself. He I just got to see it for myself. And then like, the, no, the, call the police, file a fucking yeah. report, and let them go down there and get drug in. Even the homeless guy, his hubris of thinking she can't get in here, she never has gotten in here, and she never yeah. will get in here, it's what fucking undoes him. But right. Tess is the only one who's like, are you sure she can't get in here? Right. Tess is the smartest person in the movie. Mm-hmm. Tess is the smartest person in the fucking movie. And it's amazing to me. It's just the whole point of the movie is if you lead with empathy, if you lead with that, if you try to understand and, and, and flip the tables, you will understand how to survive because she's literally reacting to every move that the mother makes. Mm-hmm. And that's why she survives. You, it's just... She's just quick on her feet. She's empathetic and she reacts. Yeah. And all the, but she's not worried about anything else. She's just worried about survival. And all the the men in the movie are worried about these other things. Mm-hmm. And it's just, she's the only one thinking clear headed. And I absolutely fucking love it. At the end of the day, if everyone would listen to her and followed her lead, then they'd still be alive. I agree. This is just one of many amazing feminist forward movies that we got in 2000, 2022. And I've, I'm absolutely fucking here for it. It was the best movie of 2022. Need yeah. we say more? Yeah, absolutely. That's our our award for our best film. We still want to know what yours are, so you can still let us know. But 
on to the next one, we are going to do our best villain. And I promise this isn't going to be a theme through the whole episode, but yet again, Stevie and I agree. I think everyone agrees with this, though. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if you disagree with us, there's something wrong with you because Art the Clown is the greatest villain of all of 2022. Without a doubt, Art absolutely dominated 2022. It was a movie shot on Mm $250,000, and Damien Leone takes this fucking thing, and we saw it the first weekend because we thought that was going to be the only weekend. They were like, you get, you know, we live in fucking Indiana, okay? I'm sure that there's other states that were probably going to have more than four theaters showing it for two days. Yeah. But we, I had tickets, you know, a week ahead of time, two weeks ahead of time. As soon as they were on there, I had them fucking up and ready. And we were only supposed to have, like, a Thursday and Friday night showing. We saw it on Friday. Yeah, we saw the Friday night showing. And then it It just became the little engine that fucking could. It really did. It was the little slasher that could, I think, is the headline that that I kept seeing people write about. The little slasher that could. But it was. was, We thought it was only going to be in in theaters for that one weekend. And Mm -hmm. then it was like, so we had the Thursday, Friday showing. And then they're like. The fact that it got extended to Saturday, Sunday was already huge. Yeah, I was like, hey, they're going to be showing it. Day after day after day and week after week. It it was in more and more theaters. It just kept going. And it just, it more than like quintupled its own budget it just knocked everything out of the park monumental showing financially because people wanted to see this fucking guy in a clown suit going ape shit and cutting people up and that's exactly what we got and they did not disappoint no damien leone uh you know the first terrifier came out in 2016 it was really Mm -hmm. it was also really low budget and it dominated though because it's like you started seeing it pop up on everybody's yeah. like films you have to see before well, you it's die. Like when they they put it up on Netflix. Netflix, yeah. And uh, I remember I saw someone post. I was like, "Oh, that's a really cool looking clown." Um, and you know, kind of looked a little more into it, and I'm like, "Hey, a lot of people are saying this movie's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really you know low budget, just kind of like good practical effects, kind of cheapish gore, like just that good fucking horror." And I was like, hey, we have to watch this. We have to watch this. We have to watch this. And finally, we got around to it, pulled it up on Netflix, and we were not disappointed. No. And, and it's everything they promised. It's absolutely. low budget. It's gritty. It's gory. It's And fucking... there's not much story. No. But the second movie, obviously, we get way more story. We talked about it a bit. But Art, you know, David Howard Thornton is fucking amazing. Yeah. I, no disrespect to any of the other actors that no. have played art, but David Howard Thornton has taken that role and he's made it his. He is what I saw everybody saying is art is the new horror icon. Yeah, he's the new Freddy. He's the new Jason. Yeah, he's he's our new fucking big bad. Yeah. I mean, he dominated the box office. Like the fact that it was like, oh, they're extending it for two days. Oh, a week. Oh, a month. Oh, my God, they've made this much money. And like just how much... I've seen for this, I, I'm so fucking happy for them because it's obviously a huge passion project and, you know, this character is just brought to life so well. And I mean, the movie, it's, it's long, it's brutal, it's funny as hell. Like I absolutely, you know, obviously everybody loves the scene where he's trying on the glasses in the Halloween store, but like. I can't help, but there were so many moments in this movie where, like... For me, it's the dry cleaner scene. I (laughs) fucking was cracking up during that shit. Exactly. Because he's just sitting there with, like, nothing on but, like, his shoes and, like, the little thing on his head. Yeah, and his face paint. Yeah. 
And, and he's, he's reading these reading horrible stories in the news, and he's fucking laughing. Yeah. He's laughing. Because Obviously, he doesn't just, make any sound because right. he's, you know, art. But, yeah, he's, like, he's sitting there laughing at these horrible, tragic stories, and yeah. I'm fucking dying. Like, yeah. I am fucking in tears in the theater. It was, um, it's one of those things I feel like is, has altered my life forever, is sitting in those seats in a full theater like that with a girl sitting next to me that just kept going, oh my God, oh my God. Like, and yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm looking around, I'm like waiting, like, you know. There were people everyone, who were not okay. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And it's, you know, everyone was saying, oh, people are throwing up, people are passing out. But like, you know, we're so used to people saying, oh, it's the scariest movie of the year. And I'm not saying that this is, but it's kind of that same thing where people are like, oh my God, people are vomiting in theaters. I have to go see it. But, like, there were actual fucking videos people are posting, like, hey, my friend passed out at the theater and we had to have a paramedic. People little paper bags and, like, breathing right. into them because they right. were, like, hyperventilating. And I was just like, oh, that's all I kept thinking, you know, this fucking chick next to me. I'm like, if this chick, Ra- like, Ralph's her nachos, I'm going to die. Oh, my God. But, like, you know, nothing happened in our theater, but it was one of the most fun, like, crowd experiences with the way people were laughing and shouting and screaming, fucking gagging, crying out, covering their eyes. There were so Just many oh my so gods in the theater. It oh, was not yeah. even funny. But, I mean, come on. He's the biggest icon of 2022. Aside of all of the other, you know, amazing movies we've had out, like Scream, Halloween, you know, the big icon movies. But he's just, he's put himself at the top. So that's why we had to pick him as best villain. Yeah. I mean, you've, this is a year where we had Leatherface, Ghostface, Michael Myers, literally all in the, the same Cenobites. year. Cenobites. Uh, the pr- hell priest. And, you know, we had yep. so many iconic villains resurrected this year. Yet, it was the man who just came out of nowhere and yeah. ha- doesn't have the history, the longevity of those villains. And I think that's why, for me at least, he is the villain of the year. Because it does feel like we're on the verge of something huge. Yeah, I Damien Leone is already talking about Terrifier 3. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're still they're all doing these conventions, so they're still close together. One can only assume that mm-hmm. the whole cast is fucking coming back for Terrifier 3. We're getting all the same actors. And yeah, I mean, they're just gearing up for something special. And I, I think we all feel like we're just on the upheaval yeah. and this upswing of something really special. I agree. No, it's and it's it's something that also there's so many people outside of the horror community that were like, I'm going to go see this movie that everybody's talking about. Mm-hmm. And those were the know, punk asses that were <laughs> puking and throwing up. Don't Probably. don't fucking I was going to say look, your introduction to horror should not be Terrifier 2. <laughs> no. Your introduction to horror should be something like fucking Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark like, like it was Go us. Watch Scream. Yeah, like that's your, a good intro your to first, horror. Your first horror movie or your first horror movie in a long time should not be that fucking Potatoes movie. to the face. Yeah, it should not be fucking Terrifier 2. No. This was just something unbelievable. And that's, again, that's why Art is the villain of the year for me. Because yeah. like Freddy, like Jason, like Michael Myers, he's the one that I see people talking about. He's mm-hmm. the one I see people just wanting to see more of. And also, people simp the fuck out of him. <laughs> Like the horror community simps fucking everybody. It's a, it's a whole community of simps. We are all, none of us are immune to simping. We're, we're not okay. No. Like I love me some horror villains, but 
for some reason people were down the, bad for art the the one little clip we posted fucking months ago like people were like he's mine and no one can have him and i'm like what the fuck and it's like, like jack but skellington I, but also like i get it <laughs> right but i understand but i understand yeah so art best villain uh think it, it, there's a uh, there's an award coming up later where we're gonna get to talk about art a little bit more and uh Especially one specific scene. So, yeah. Uh, moving on, though, these are our acting awards, and we like ev- like most shows, we're giving out two acting awards. Mm-hmm. So, our two awards, we're first is going to be the 2022 Golden Crown because everybody needs somebody to rule over all the screamers. <laughs> so. Who is it going to be? Who's going to be the recipient of the golden crown for each of us? And we're also going to give out a second acting award, and that is the Silver Shriek. So basically, look at it this way. Golden crown, who fucking dominated this year in horror? What actor, what performer, who just lives rent-free in your fucking head in horror? We had a hard time narrowing it down on these awards. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so golden crown is who just stood head and shoulders above everybody else. And the Silver Shriek, who was just right there nipping at their heels. Yeah. So uh, I will go first mm-hmm. because I think it'll be no surprise that my pick is Mia Goth. I do not blame you. And this, everyone is probably hooting, hollering, and cheering right along with you. I, I got to give my golden crown for 2022 to Mia Goth. I mean, she had the absolute best year of anyone in horror. She, We come out with X, right? Like, we're already mm-hmm. hyped for X. Sure. I've, you know me. I'm a huge Ty West fan. Mm-hmm. I was dying. We were already to see a it. fan of Mia Goth by then, right? A cure for wellness. You yep. know, we love her in a cure for wellness. So we love Mia Goth. Mm-hmm. We love Ty West. You throw in Jenna Ortega into the mix, and you throw in fucking Britney Snow. Right. You throw in Martin Henderson. You've got an, a Kid Cudi. Yeah. I mean, you have an amazing <laughs> cast of of talented actors in that film. You're. I was so. But she's hyped the for only that. one playing two characters in the whole movie. Uh, th- but that's the thing. Mia Goth played two characters in that movie. So I was already floored when I saw that. She simultaneously plays the main villain and our final girl. Right. Like, I don't think that's, that's ever been done been before. Done. Like, who's played the villain and the final? Right. Like, that alone made her probably in the running for my 2022, you know, Golden Crown Award. But yeah. then you factor in fucking Pearl. Right. Like, she gets her own movie as the villain, but we get to see it in prequel form. We mm-hmm. get to see what made Pearl, Pearl. Not to mention, you know... Uh, we didn't even know we were getting Pearl until we the didn't. ending credits of X. Like, that was the coolest shit. Like, thank you, Ty West, for being so fucking cool. Yeah. It, it's just, it was a, it was a, a lot of first. You know, you have her playing the protagonist and the antagonist, and you also get immediately a movie that you're going to get same year with her again playing that villain younger. I, like, it's just, it was the most magical fucking feeling. I can't believe it. Like, like looking back at X and Pearl and just the, that that phenomenon that was those two movies, mm-hmm. and we're still in it. I mean, I, I, I scroll TikTok and I still hear, "No, I'm a star, oh, I'm yeah. a star, please." <laughs> and I see the the long close Why up. Why don't that, you like me? Yeah, it's like Pearl, you're scaring me now. Yeah. Uh, we see that, and we see the long, you know, that extended shot in the credits of her oh, just yeah. staring at the camera unblinkingly and her eyes watering and shit. So it's like, we're not out of Pearl mania just yet. Maxine in the the water where she's like doing the side look, but yeah, yeah, then we're going to get Maxine. We got Maxine. The third movie in this expected trilogy is Mm -hmm. coming. I assume, you know, here in 2023, although I don't know if anything's official yet, but yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting. We've got so much and Mia Goth deserves all the credit in the world because 
she brought this these characters, Maxine and Pearl, to life. Mm-hmm. And Ty West, as I said, he'll be the first to tell you she was as much of an equal partner in the creation of all this as he was. Exactly. Without Mia Goth, we wouldn't have this amazing franchise. You know, we talk about Art the Clown and how we feel like we're on the verge of something special. You know, and Art is going to, and this Terrifier franchise is going to be special. I, I think this X and Pearl franchise is something that could go on and really give Terrifier kind of this uh, this franchise to go hand in hand with. Yeah. I, know, no, I agree. I think the, those are probably the two biggest movies I feel like this year. Like, and maybe that's not, why we're so excited about Art and about Mia Goth right. and Pearl and all that. Like, because maybe that's may why we're so excited. Be, it may not be everybody's favorite. It may not be everybody's cup of tea. But they are huge fucking movies for huge 2022. Movies. Yeah, absolutely. So that Mia Goth, she gets my Silver Shriek. Uh, no, she gets my Golden Crown Award. Yeah. I'll get to my Silver Shriek here momentarily. But Natalie Nightmare, who are you giving the Golden Crown to? So with much turmoil and distress, I finally came to one. So my Golden Crown also shared a movie with Mia Goth. It's going to be Jenna Ortega. So obviously, cannot argue that at all. January we had her in Five Cream, and even the people who say that they didn't really like the new Scream movie absolutely love her opening scene. Um, I was really excited for this whenever I saw the trailer, and you see her like using those like the app, like the smart locks to like try to lock her doors, and it unlocks, and she locks it again and unlocks. I think that's like, one of the scenes that hooked me the most in right. the trailer. I agree, and it's it's just it was such a good fucking opening, and she was absolutely amazing, and she survives. Like you think it's gonna be, oh, it's just another bullshit fucking scream opening where this person who's a huge star just gets got at the very beginning but she survives yeah because at the she's a big star at the time uh, mm-hmm. relative to the rest of the cast the, right. a lot of the cast was relatively unknown but yeah. uh no uh, she had a stint in you uh season two you and i both love yeah. her in i that thought show. she was awesome in that show it's another reason i was super excited yeah. for her. but then she was a disney kid too so yeah she was one of the bigger yeah, stars no going into that idea movie about that yeah yeah, but then but, you go into March, and she's also in X, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which has one of probably my most like flinch-worthy scenes where she's kind of breaking out of the basement, and her hand is out, and he like hits it with a hammer, and you see her fucking fingers break. But it's like, the she fucking just, scene is rough, man. She sells every fucking thing that she does. She does. And she goes from zero to 100 when she needs to. She puts her whole heart into every performance. Oh, you can so absolutely good. tell that. Yeah. She's yeah. so good. Like I remember whenever we were watching season two for you. Yeah. And I was like, this girl's really fucking great. Like just the way she felt very real. Yeah. She didn't, you know, I know you can kind of struggle like that sometimes with the younger actors. Um, but she just feels so genuine and really pulls you into a scene. And, you know, obviously, you know, she has been blowing up and more people are loving her because of the Netflix series Wednesday, which, yeah. I mean, you know, obviously has a lot of heavy topics within itself. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, it's awesome to see something that, you know, it it's like a gateway to horror, just like Adam's family is anyway, but also has a lot of these really great discussions about women's rights and and gay rights and you know people on the spectrum and all of these different exploitation of Native Americans. Exploitation I mean, it really, of natives, yeah. They really hit on some heavy subjects on Wednesday, and Jenna Ortega 
portrays Wednesday with enough uh, respectability, mm -hmm. I guess is the b best word for it. Uh, she's very professional in how she portrays Wednesday and yeah. yet still gives this adolescent charm to her and this right. kind of naivete to her. I feel like it's something that you can enjoy as an adult because you have this relationship with her and Morticia. And, you know, the, I saw a lot of people were like, well, I didn't like that, it, you know, they're having this like confrontation. It's like, if you watch any Adams family, <laughs> there's always confrontation. Like the old shows, you know, the Munsters, As Family, all those old shows were always about having a message to every episode. Yeah. And there was a lot of that in the old series. And even looking at the newer movies, you know, uh, you have Gomez and Fester fighting in the first, you know, or in the second movie. Um, but there's also a lot of things that I love that they kind of carry in. Like, obviously, you have Christina Ricci's in Wednesday, and you have her, again, speaking up for the indigenous people, as she does in Adam's Family Values, mm -hmm. which I felt was way ahead of, you know, its time. I feel like it probably pisses a lot of people off that yeah, was in the movie. Yeah, pissed people off back in 1992 or 1993 when they did it. Exactly. Pisses but the people fact off that, now. You know, she does that. And I saw a, a great video about, you know, the type of indigenous people that she's referring to don't get spoken about a lot in the media, mm -hmm. um, you know, for the basically slavery for the cacao bean. And that blew me away. Like that's still, you know, I'm 37. I'm still learning, always learning. Yep. And I felt like I watched that show and, you know, she does an amazing portrayal through it, whether you like it or hate it. I, I, I honestly don't understand the people that don't like it, but she just, she does so well, and I love that it's full of fucking great messages. Even if, you know, X is like, she's like, but I want to be in the porn, and it's totally different. But she, again, totally all over the place for the roles that she was doing, and she nailed every fucking one of them. She did, and, and again, I totally understand why you would give her the golden crown for the year. She started off with Scream and with X, and then both of those, it was they were both... Uh, let's be real, just supporting roles. You know, she was second right. fiddle to the main character in the movie. Yeah, she and, stands out very well, but yeah, she's not, you know, the final girl right. for either movie. She's not the main lead, right. but she's still very important. But it's supporting. great to see her get the opportunity to be a lead now with right. Wednesday. And obviously I mean, she with, did you know, an amazing job. It looks like Scream 6, we're going to see a lot more of her too. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, super fucking excited yeah. about what Jenna's going to bring us next. I hope she does more horror. I love, I just think she's fucking, not, I don't want to say she's made for her. Obviously she's done a lot of different stuff, but I, I think she'd be amazing. Oh, I think she more. enjoys doing the creepy shit. I mean, I she just seems like somebody who's fully embraced it. And I don't think she's going to shy away from it anytime soon, especially if she's still doing the screen movie. She seems like the type of person where doing the screen movies is probably a dream come true for her. Like she's just somebody right. who enjoyed those movies. You could be up. like, Hey, do you want to be an extra in like a fucking like party? And I'd be like, on screen yes please you mean like matthew lillard like of course i, I want to do that <laughs> like do i do i get to like say hi to people do i get to like you know just be fucking near any of these cool people yep. like yeah i want to be a screen for movie. me that would quickly turn into an episode <laughs> of it's always sunny in philadelphia where i'd <laughs> try and upstage them i, I just yeah I you just, would be I, you would be that extra in the background where you're like oh they were trying to make this their performance exactly. this they were trying exactly. to catch somebody's eye bingo bingo so moving on, we want to give out our Silver Shriek Awards. These are the people who, it wasn't quite their year in horror, but damn, did they make a strong case a for it. A fucking impact. Yes. So for me, the Silver Shriek Award goes to a man named Joseph Winter. Uh, Joseph Winter, uh, along with his wife Vanessa, directed uh, the segment in VHS 99 called To Hell and Back and directed a movie called Deadstream that we have gushed about time and time again on this show. Mm -hmm. So Joseph, though, 
I give him the silver streak because behind the camera and in front of the camera, he has just really proven himself to be a name to watch out for in the horror genre. He's really saying there's all these wonderful, talented people in the horror genre making movies right now. And I deserve to be in that discussion just as much as anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I think that Deadstream and to hell and back both cemented that, Hey, this guy belongs at the table. I agree. He, I, I, there's not, I mean, I've said so much. I really do. I feel like we've gushed about him time and time again on the show. Mm -hmm. But again, I, I just feel like he is somebody that, in the future, he and his wife, Vanessa, these movies that they've made, these segments that they've done, I think it's only the beginning. I think the the rocket is strapped to them, and, and we're going to see them just fucking blast off here soon. Well, the one that I, you know, anyone that watched it and was talking about online, they were just like, oh, God, this guy's going to be great. He's going to be great. And he does found footage so well. I know we, we talked about how a lot of it felt very Evil Dead. It's great comedy. But it's the fact that, you know, he's also directing. Like, mm -hmm. but he's just, he's amazing at doing whatever he does. I don't know the full, you know, depths of his acting abilities, but with what he's done, I feel like there's so much more potential to see so many more great fucking movies out of this guy. Agreed. His, his acting is great because he does have this, uh, likability to him. He has this genuine quality to him. Even when he's playing this scumbag, Sean, right in yeah. Deadstream, there's still something about him. You're like, I want to like him. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, I wish you're like, when you find out he did these awful things, you're like, Oh, I don't want him to do those things. <laughs> like, exactly. I, don't, I don't, I don't like that. He seems like a nice guy. It's like, don't tell me he did those things. It's like, it's like Joseph's face almost didn't match Sean, but then right. as soon as he opened his mouth and started talking, you're like, oh, yeah. he's a fucking dirtbag. Yeah, and you're like, I, <laughs> and, and you're along for the ride the whole time at Deadstream. So yeah. he is uh, again Silver Shriek Award. I, I, he wasn't quite as much of a heavyweight as Mia Goth, but damn, watch out for this guy in all of his say, movies. That's a solid way to fucking come into the horror community. Is that? Yeah, yeah. Right said, Fred. I agree. And with that. Although my choice for the Silver Shriek Award has had a little bit in horror, I felt like the most impactful, and whether you hated this movie or not, you loved it or not, Jamie Clayton as the priest made so many waves. The first image that we got whenever, and I know everyone's like, oh, the new pinhead, and it's like, yeah, it's the priest in this movie, but still pinhead if you want to if you want to say that, but... She was pinhead. Come on. She was pinhead. She had pins in her head. She was pinhead. <laughs> like, we know. But, you know, I know a lot of people were kind of disappointed with the movie because they're like, oh, yeah, it's going back to the source material. And then they just felt like it didn't deliver. And then a lot of people were like, oh, I wanted it to be gorier. And while there are things that I kind of agree with, like, we all would love to see more crazy, like, body ripping, you know, that we get in the classic Hellraiser movies. But this was just such a beautiful fucking movie to me. Um, and Jamie just blew my fucking mind. The voice, the look, you know, obviously, you know, she's not making the fucking prosthetics, but you know, that's all the art design to bring this character to life. But whenever it's on and she becomes the priest, it just feels so right. It does. It's like, that's a great way to say it because I can't, I couldn't put my finger on it, but from the minute they cast her, and I know it was a controversial decision, you know, because she is uh, a trans woman. 
and you know whatever it is what it is i think she's an amazing actress and i yeah. think she deserves a role no matter fucking what whether you're upset it's a trans one whether you're upset that it's a woman playing pinhead jamie clayton the minute you see that first image that came out i think it was entertainment weekly leaked it yeah the minute you see that fucking image of her as pinhead you're like this fucking works yeah. and like i said i couldn't put my finger on it either but the minute i saw that first shot i'm like damn I, I had faith that she was going to do it well anyway because she right. was in, uh, what was that show on Netflix, Sense8, I want to say? Yeah, uh, Sense8. Yeah, so it's like she... And she was also, she had a small role in the Neon Demon, which is why I said there's a little bit of horror That's there. right, but, yeah, she was a Neon Demon. I forgot yeah. about that. Very small role. Right, very yeah. small role, you know, nothing too scary. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, becoming this fucking entity... That, you know, you have all of these other beautiful fucking Cenobites in the movie. They all work so well together. Cenobites are some of the most beautiful designs I've ever seen. Oh, they're and stunning. As somebody who has sat through all 11 fucking <laughs> Hellraiser movies, I can sit here and tell you, those are some of the most beautiful Cenobites I've ever seen. Yeah. And even though, you know, this is one of those movies I I always have an appreciation for. A villain that isn't on screen too long. Right. She doesn't overstay her welcome. Right. But what you get is so memorable. The scene where she's she kills Nora and Nora's like suspended on chains and she pulls that fucking needle out of her head. I I could watch that scene over and over. It gives me some sort of weird fucking happy little pleasure to see just the way she pulls it out so slow and delicate before she pushes it into this woman's neck. Right. But right. It's just seeing something, it's almost more intimate than you ever had with Doug, Bradley. Doug Bradley's yeah. Pinhead. Yeah. And, you know, as far as the design, you know, to bring this character to life, I, I yes, I love the leather too. Don't get me wrong. But there is something really cool and grotesque that uh, the way they look, where they don't have, you know, this kind of like BDSM leather vibe going on, like clubbing look. Uh, no one's wearing sunglasses. But... You know, there's like, they just, they look so cool. And I feel like that makes her just even more amazing. But I, again, she just, I could gush over her forever, but she did. I feel like she made huge waves with this movie and whether they continue it or not, I'm so fucking glad that we got it. I 100% agree with you on that. I thought Jamie Clayton's performance was spectacular, especially in that film, that, that scene that you mentioned in the film Nora's death and it's one of those things where you can see it on an actor's face mm -hmm. that they understood the weight that the scene was going to carry mm -hmm. because Nora's death is really the most that we get to see in in those early moments of the film right it's really the most we get to see of somebody dying and the because the, most of the other deaths are very tame they're either yeah. off, screen, off screen, which pissed a lot of people off, right. or they are, you know, it's just like shadow play. So for Nora's death to be so graphic, whereas all the other scenes were a little bit more toned down, mm -hmm. I think Jamie Clayton understood like, okay, this is really our, our time to shine. Right. And she fucking delivered because she just carries it, this scene with such gravitas yeah. and just this confidence. Mm -hmm. Like I love what Doug Bradley brought to the role. This kind of, he was, he was almost sensual in the way he played right. Pinhead. And he's supposed to be in those mm -hmm. early movies. His sex is such a huge part of it. I mean, come on, all of them. Like yeah. we were just joking yeah. about it the other night, the way Chatterer fucking grabs Kirsty. It's like, um, come on. Right. They knew what they were doing. Right. 
But with this one, she's it's more this cool, calm, like a like she's the priest for the Leviathan, so she's mm-hmm. a debt collector. I mean, she really right. is. She's a bounty hunter almost, and yeah. it's like, and she takes pleasure in that. And right. I fucking love the way Jamie Clayton portrays that in the few moments that she is on screen as mm-hmm. this character. It is beautifully done. Yeah. And she is, she's the reason. And honestly, you know, again, I'm all, I'm all for like the, the heavy gore of the old movies, but there's something so uncomfortable about a scene that really doesn't have much blood because we know a body can be suspended by hooks and it's fine. Like people do suspension. I think it's beautiful. Um, but obviously people can be suspended by fucking any kind of hook and yep. they're not going to just die. And so you have this character that is suspended, but then you also take a needle, which like obviously a lot of people and myself included are terrified of. And you do something to a body that's not going to kill you. It's not going to, you know, ruin you. But like you look at the old movies where it's like his face is getting ripped off and stuff. And it's like, it goes so hard so fast that there is something to me that's really terrifying about the idea that they could really take their time with you. And that's fucking scary to me. But they yeah. can also be really fast. And you, you mentioned the shadow play. And I love in the beginning of that movie, the first death is this guy in like the, the gallery, basically. Um, and I thought, okay, they're going to hold back and then kind of go harder, which they don't go hard as you know i expected Mm. but i kind of i actually really liked the shadow death of seeing like the guy get kind of like ripped apart like suspended up in the air with the chains right right it's a less is more scenario with the way david bruckner did the hellraiser of 2022 would i like more like crazy hellraiser gore yes i would have taken it it would have probably made the movie a little bit better for me but i also feel like there's something so like eerily creepy beautiful grotesque about this movie that i just feel like comforted by it (laughs) i can't explain it well and it's another one of those and her performance brings that because i i love that you still have this kind of like monotone but it's like this low voice instead of like doug bradley's like big blah blah blah, but it's like still like monotone right again calm cool collected fucking perfect to to carry on hellraiser this way i couldn't agree more yeah jamie clayton deserving of that silver shriek award uh, so moving on to our next category, this is our best director in horror this year. Uh, so for me, I gushed about his movies already, but Ty mm-hmm. West, uh, stunning. I, and I'm a little biased here, but you know, <laughs> it's just Natalie and I judging this. So fuck it, I can be biased. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Ty West has been a favorite of mine for a long time. I mentioned it earlier: House of the Devil, The Innkeepers, The Sacrament, all fucking amazing movies. Mm-hmm. I was really bummed out to see him leave film and kind of go to tv almost kind of like not no disrespect to it almost felt like he was just kind of like retreating to tv because it was safe it was comfortable it was you know something he could get by on but to see him come back to film and in such a big way partnering with a company like a24 delivering two two of the biggest fucking movies of 2022 Mm -hmm. out of fucking nowhere X and Pearl, yeah. creating a, a horror icon with the Pearl character, along with Mia Goth, of course. And I gave Mia Goth her credit, but Ty right, West but like, deserves the other half of the yeah, credit. I mean, he's he's given so much to the horror community he this has. year. Uh, we've been blessed by West. Like- <laughs> blessed by West. There we go. That will be up on the merch store when we get that up running. Blessed by West. Look out for that. But Ty West, I, I love his work so much. He's, I, I'm a huge fan of his. He, I, I, even, I even... Uh, 
get joyous every time we watch your next and you know he's the guy who dies mm-hmm. with the bow and arrow in right. the beginning and <laughs> i fucking love it because i'm like yes ty west fuck yeah yeah and he does the uh the segment in vhs the first vhs yep. the honeymoon or no the second honeymoon i think is what second it's called honeymoon, yeah, yeah so it's it, just he's i love his work so much and i'm really happy to see him back in film and we had some great directors this year jordan peele did a movie, but I, and I love Jordan Peele, but man, Jordan Peele's just been good for so fucking long. It's like, I got to give Ty West some love. And, uh, you know, Joseph Winter, we gave him some love, but uh, do want to give a quick shout out to Phil Tippett for Mad God. Absolutely. That was visually stunning and fucking blew my mind. And yeah. I, I can't, I, I hope it doesn't take him 30 years to make his next movie. <laughs> right. Um, now mine. Uh, I haven't seen anything else by her. Uh, there's been some recent works, but I don't know shit about them. But there was a movie that came out towards the beginning of the year called Fresh. And I give my best director to Mimi Cave. I adored this movie and I absolutely fucking love the way it's filmed. It was really hard for me because there's other movies that, you know, we were kind of talking about Barbarian earlier. There's so many amazing movies. The way they're filmed are just beautiful. But there's something about this one and maybe it is the 30 minute opening. For me. The 30 that minute re- opening. That you mean really, act one that yes. is just like the opening credits of the fucking movie? Right. <laughs> act one, Hallmark movie romance. Dating scene. Oh, it sucks. Oh, suddenly the guy that I'm dating has me chained up in his really fucking nice house and he's going to say he's going to eat me slowly. You skipped the best part. Uh, cotton candy grapes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking <laughs> cotton candy grapes, man. That's yeah. how he picked this girl up at the grocery and here's, store. And here's some bullshit. I fucking love cotton candy grapes. So we now every- grapes yeah. in the in the fridge before uh, yeah because i am a sucker for cotton candy but um yeah anytime i see those at the store and i want to buy them now i'm just gonna think of cotton candy grapes like that's that's the conversation starter thinking of God winter soldier it. macking on chicks in the grocery store he, he was so fucking good and i mean honestly when you think about it he and this is what's really scary about this movie and this is this is the character for why i didn't trust keith and barbarian because it really is he knows what he needs to do to make a woman trust him. And he's he, he's kind of on level with our the, the main uh, antagonist in A Wounded Fawn where he gets close to women to become a serial killer, basically. But for him, he's like fancy Hannibal kind of, you know. But the thing is, he, he basically says, uh, the meat is better the longer you're alive. So we're going to start with the parts that won't kill you fastest. And... You get this 30-minute-in title screen because it's the turning point of the movie when you've realized that this guy fucking eats people. And every every way it's filmed in the beginning is just fucking out the door. Everything changes. The tone changes. The way everything is, is filmed is just good. It changes so a little. Good. But then there's the fucking scene... Where it, he's dancing in the kitchen as he's making, as he's cooking people, as he's yeah. cooking people's body parts, and he's dancing to fucking obsession by in emotion. Right. And it's just one of the most <laughs> surreal fucking scenes in a horror movie because he's literally he's cutting it up. Like think about those scenes in Hannibal. If you saw the t- Hannibal TV show where he's doing all the fancy dinners and he's the in the the kitchen with all the cool blues usually, and the grays. Yeah, I was gonna say, but yeah. he's usually more somber. He's it's somber. like moody because he's, got, he's like, Hannibal. Brooding music. But and this then is Sebastian like Sebastian Stan fucking Winter Soldier yeah. is literally dancing. 
in the kitchen to fucking 80s pop hits yep. as he's cutting bitches up and yeah. eating their and making meals out of these people's body parts. Yeah. It is like like Natalie's not shitting you. This movie goes from 0 to 60 because you go from Hallmark rom-com, we're not fucking mm-hmm. kidding. It literally Absolutely starts like not. a Hallmark rom-com and then he like knocks her the fuck out. Mm-hmm. You get the titles 30 minutes into the movie, you get yep. titles Fresh. and then and then it's a horror movie. Yep. And it's so fucking amazing what they're able to and do. And it's yet again another amazing fucking feminist movie. Uh, really obviously, is. I love it. It's directed by a woman. So I'm like, I'm down for that yeah. shit. But also, it's another like, you, you've you got the best BFF. When they, oh, when yeah. her, her best friend goes so far to find her that she gets kidnapped, but then they like... Still both they escape. escape together. I love and that. I love that. Bad it's, bitches it's, stick together. Yeah, it's we don't need no fucking men, but it's also a movie of like things to catch when guys are red flags and like yes. just shit you should do or not do when you're dating and stuff like that. Yep. It's it's really interesting. It's uh, it was very eye opening for me, but you also have some amazing like just fucking terrifying scenes. But as a whole movie directed amazing i hope we get more from mimi cave because holy shit uh yeah i i hope her name is attached to a lot of good shit in the future i'm sure it will be uh real quick before we move on to the next category i just want to say we did we had some great female directors this year and i just want to give a shout out to a few of them because we can't give everybody an award but mimi cave definitely deserves that so Mm -hmm. i agree with that uh but let's give a shout out to uh, vanessa winter who we mentioned earlier directed deadstream and the segment to helen back with her Mm -hmm. husband joseph who we sang his praises earlier uh, Helena Rain, uh, who directed Bodies, 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 mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite fucking movies of the year, and I, awesome. we're going to talk about that yeah. in the future. But I absolutely adored Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It was a very polarizing movie, but I thought it was just fucking great. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca McKendry, who directed Glorious, uh, unfortunately didn't win any awards uh, yet. So we'll, we got our <laughs> fingers crossed. We'll see. But uh, yeah, Glorious was another great female directed movie. Uh, so yeah, just a shout out to all the ladies who showed up this year and fucking showed the men how it's done. Bingo. Yeah. Next category we're going to talk about is horror. We got to talk about the visuals. We love a good story. Yeah. But let's talk about the visual shit and the best visuals. This is going to be an interesting category because I picked a movie that I didn't really care for. Yeah. But I just thought the visuals were so stunning and they will stick with you. Mm -hmm. I picked for best visuals, a wounded fawn. Beautiful movie. Just a one lot of, the of most 70s, beautiful movies 70s I've ever seen. Aesthetics, uh, color tones, color palettes in this movie are beautiful. Mm-hmm, one of mm-hmm. my favorites, like screens, like literally to the point that I like pulled it up on YouTube to like screenshot it is that knife on the the cutting board with the pomegranates, mm-hmm. and like all the reds are like almost a little too oversaturated in the movie. Um, but of course, you but know, it works. It yeah. works though. You said they're oversaturated. And I agree. There is an oversaturation of color in certain scenes, but it works. And it it, does. it's like, you can tell it was intentional. Uh, it, Travis Stevens directed the film, and, and mm-hmm. my God, uh, his other work, uh, Girl on the Third Floor, Jacob's Wife, all great movies, uh, and all visually stunning in their own way. Like the blood, the way he does the vampires and yeah. Jacob's Wife, uh, right. the way he does the teeth, very Nosferatu like. Girl on the Third Floor with all of the. The ghostly figures and the gore in all of the deaths, mm-hmm. uh, the grittiness of the house. You know, he's just—he's a very visual filmmaker. Very. Even the the feeling of isolation he gives in this movie is absolutely astounding because the the shots that you get of like the car in the driveway and the house and it's just surrounded by pitch black 
nothing but the woods is beautiful. He portrays the conveys, I should say, he conveys the depth of the darkness Ooh, so incredibly yes. well. And I think that is something that cannot be understated because mm-hmm. it's it reminds me of recently we watched that movie The Rental mm-hmm. uh, by Dave Franco. And you can kind of tell Dave Franco is a little bit of a first-time filmmaker because while I love the way what he did with that movie, there's something about the way I thought Travis Stevens did again that whole depth of the darkness thing. You like you understand how dark and how secluded it is. Mm-hmm. Whereas you almost it was almost ambiguous in the rental. And maybe Dave Franco meant to do that. I'm not sure, but I don't really think it was uh I don't know. I thought it could have been better done in that movie. So but a wounded fawn though, the visuals, Travis Stevens is able to just Again, just kill it. I, I yeah. don't understand how we're on his third film and he just keeps getting better and better each time with those visuals. Absolutely. The perspectives, the, you know, of course you have all of the the Greek figures, the Furies, the, I don't remember the name, but I looked into it, the the owl thing. Um, <laughs> you know, the owl god. The, the owl god and the, like the red room door. Like the, it's all beautiful. I a hundred percent. This is, it's, if anything, if you don't even fucking understand the movie, if you don't care to ever watch it again, just watch it up for the visuals alone. the fucking ending the like those endings Ugh, where, ending where bruce is like just fucking stabbing himself slowly repeatedly dying. in the neck slowly dying you know meredith is watching him as he's just repeatedly striking himself in the throat and just bleeding out like mm-hmm. we talked about it's that good 70s red fucking orangey blood red orangey blood, yeah. red blood looks like fucking paint from first grade art class it's just terrific and yeah. so well done i Cannot gush enough about the visuals. Again, story, I, I thought it could have been better, but hey, you can't compare to Travis Stevens and the way he films these fucking scenes. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's not much to say about mine other than just giving the fucking title. If you've seen it, you've seen it. And it it's amazing. And it's going to stick with me forever. Mad God. Best visuals. The stop motion animation yeah. combined with... You know, you've you've got a few scenes where it's obviously real people, but there's like strange overlays and things. The way the the plague doctor like floats down the stairs with the billowing fabrics, I just I can't. This movie is just stunning on every way, and even there's like the towards the climax, you have just these weird trippy visuals of like like. I don't even know what, like, it just looks like water and paint and bubbles and lights. And it's just, I can't explain it other than like the most trippy, like Microsoft media background ever, but it's, it's like, it's, it's like, everything. It's like Microsoft windows, media player background meets celebrity death match meets <laughs> right. fucking Beavis and butthead. It's just, it's like, it felt nostalgic, but at the same time, futuristic. Mm-hmm. Like, I, right. I don't know any other way to say it. Like, and this is the one I was talking about earlier. Phil Tippett, the director, mm-hmm. it took 30 years to make this film because it was yeah. stop motion. He and like students of his, yeah, were, there would, were like would, days would, would only on be this. working on it like one day a week. And yeah. like, um, you know, I saw something recently about like one of the scenes with all like the little army men were all like melted down with like heat guns and stuff to like make the pile of like the assassins and stuff. And just thinking about all the things, and you know, going back and watching the movie and kind of looking at things in the background and wondering like, oh, I wonder what they used to make this prop. And I wonder what they used to make this prop. Because obviously there's a lot of very original and grotesque creature design in this movie. Mm. But just some of the the things in the background, The one of my favorite scenes, and it's something I posted it, just because it looks like it's totally black light and neon reactive. And it's like all these beautiful plants. 
But then there's like a crazy fucking spider creature. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you say spider, I was like very crab-like. Yeah, it was just like, yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's like this movie is so open for interpretation with the visuals. Like, right, because there's you're not basically wrong, no, no dialogue. What you, yeah, no matter what you say, you're not wrong. Like, but this you movie also is just see fucking... like, you know, a guy put like his arms down in the gut of a guy over and over as they're like trying to fish out something from inside of him. Yeah. It's... It's intense, and there's probably going to be some stuff in there that makes you feel uncomfortable. Um, but I would only say maybe look up, you know, your trigger warnings. There might be some gross things, but there's nothing over the top for me. No, personally. there's nothing. There's nothing. I mean, it's kind of violent, if I guess you could say. But there's it's still, some it's... violent. There's some. There's some. A lot of poop stuff going on. Yeah. Um, but it's you know, it's an experience. Not gratuitous. It's not anything salacious it's just no it's all it all fits though when you watch this movie everything fits it all makes sense when at the end you're like this made no sense and in a way it made all the sense in the world i mean it's literally a world abandoned by god and what horrible things have happened in its abandonment oh i love it it's stunning yeah so those are our uh, films for best visuals our next category we teased this in our trailer a couple weeks ago (laughs) most gruesome death Yes. And fuck, man. I, I, for me, I don't think it got any rougher than uh, the film Speak No Evil. Rough uh, film. The fucking ending where, it, I'll, I'll just tell you, I mean, the, these families lured out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, they he the One married couple tells another married couple to go down the hill, and he says, why? And why are you doing this? And he says, because you let me. So mm-hmm. first off, you're all like fucking mind fuck. Yeah. Sends them down the hill, and they get stoned to death. Yeah. They get literally stoned to death. And this f- scene goes on for an uncomfortable amount of time. Yeah. You get to see both the husband and wife in this married couple die slowly and brutally and heinously and torturously and mercilessly. It is just one of the hardest fucking scenes to watch. It is. And yet at the same time, I don't think it was, I don't think it, it, it took it too far. I mean, it went no. far, but I don't think it took it too far in a way that. It did. It fit the narrative. It felt like where the story needed to go. It's jarring. It's uncomfortable. But you look at it and it's like, fuck. That's a brutal end for a brutal story. Yeah, it's super gruesome. And the whole just tragic nature of it. You know, there's the the scene in the in the you know halfway through where it looks like they're gonna leave and get away and get away safely, and then, and then they, they forget the doll yeah. or the bunny or whatever it is, and they have to go back, and then they end up trapped again. Because of these weird social customs that we have created for ourselves. It's yep. it's the perfect film of like, fuck being polite, fuck being social. Yeah. It could be the difference between <laughs> life and death. And it really is for our characters. Yeah. As we literally see them because of a little fucking just because they wanted to get out and live a little and, yeah. and, and meet new people. Now they're stoned to death. Yep. It's scary. It is. And it's why I don't meet new people. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Let that be a lesson to you. Stay inside where it's safe. Don't talk to people. People bad. Now, mine's on the very opposite end of the spectrum. Because while yours is very disturbing in, a, in one way, uh, mine is very over-the-top um, and super fucking unrealistic. And I may have laughed a couple times. Um, Casey Hartnett as Allie in Terrifier 2. And if you don't know by name, uh, she is the girl who answers the door to art trick-or-treating. And then he comes in and he kills her in her bedroom. This scene goes on, you talk about uncomfortably long. It just, it doesn't stop. From, it doesn't fucking stop. And and I love 
that, you know, we saw the little uh, extra after the movie when we went and saw this in theaters where we got to see how Damien basically was like, oh, the scene was only going to be this long and then COVID happened and they had all this extra time, you know, before getting their protocols in place for, to, you know, to continue filming. He basically took way fucking longer, built an animatronic of this woman and all of these extra amazing practical effects and blood pumps and prosthetics and just fake torsos and everything to make this scene go on so long from her eyeball getting slashed to getting stabbed in the back uh he like the the one that gets me is when he lifts her hand that's already all fucked up and her she's already been like scalped basically and he grabs like the three fingers and then her index and thumb and tears and like rips her arm in half it's so fucking nuts and you would think maybe that's enough but no like it keeps going but the thing is watching this like i know that you're probably listening to this and if you don't watch like gore horror you're probably like oh my god my jesus but the thing is about this it's almost uh, done slapsticky borderline because art is borderline. like hilarious obviously and he just thinks it's all so funny uh, all the chaos he's causing but it's also even though there's so much realistic to it it, it feels so over-the-top unrealistic in a way. And again, I also know it's a fake serial killer, a fake demonic clown, and a fake character with all these cool prosthetics. And it's obvious they're prosthetics. It's right. not like you... Know, like. And that's the thing is like why I say... That's why they're able to get away with it. That's why I say I kind of laughed a couple of times because like you think it's done and then he goes like when he gets the salt and like rubs it in the wound and you're like, I can't believe he just fucking did that. But it's also like how I watch a lot of these movies, I'm always so excited to see how they did the scenes. And so like, you know, seeing the things that they did to bring this scene to life and fucking kudos to, to Casey for just being a fucking amazing actress for this scene. But yeah, she's not, she's not our main actress. She's not our final, final girl, but my my goodness, I I really hope that she has a bright future in horror because that scene alone, you're right. She earned, all the money and then some. Like, I hope right. Damien Leone went back after watching the movie was like, here's more fucking money. I hope a lot of that $250,000 budget went to her yeah. because I she mean, it's fucking like, carried that scene with her reactions and just selling the fuck out of the injuries that she was getting well, from Well, that's art. the thing. You know, you, you take, like, what, maybe five minutes of screaming and you think about how many days it probably took to do that whole bit. I mean, it took bit. two years. I mean, he literally said, he's right. like, we kept filming this for two fucking years. Exactly. So, Which yeah. makes you wonder... What scene, if, if they would have stopped during the pandemic at any other scene, what the fuck would that yeah. have looked like? How long would that death have gone on? Right. Because obviously there's a lot of stuff in Terrifier too that, you know, you see it start and you don't see it finish, but you see the aftermath. Yes. Yeah. You see a lot of aftermath. Mashed potato aftermath. <laughs> Speaking of aftermath, let's talk about our most what the fuck moment. And this WTF, yo! WTF. Now this is like... You know, the surprise of the year. There were a lot of them, but we kind of had to bring it down. So what was your most what-the-fuck moment, Stevie? So most what-the-fuck moment, we talked about this before we went and started recording. For me, the most what-the-fuck moment is not the most shocking, most over-the-top, most craziest shit. Because, I mean, Terrifier too, like we were just talking about, that would be that. For me, like I said to you earlier, for me, the most what-the-fuck moment has to be... Uh, all right, 
I can guess a million different scenarios about how this next scene is going to go. And it just fucking slaps me up the side of the head with a million and one. Yes. And for me, it's the scene in Men where the male entities just continuously give birth in rapid succession to more disgusting, vile, terrible, horrible male creatures. Yeah. It's fucking gross. It's It's fucking disgusting. It's fucking beautiful though it's fucking so well done it is masterfully done it is gorgeous in its grotesquerie that's the only way i could fucking say it (laughs) it's another one that i was like is it is it over oh no it's still going it goes so Um, long so hard it's uncomfortable and it's weird some of the uh the cgi with this movie was very uncanny valley and it didn't disappoint into the birth scene um, I, I agree. I had kind of heard about it before I'd seen the movie. Um, I was a little worried because there was a lot of shit talk with this movie. And I can understand why there are people that don't like it. I, I get it. I, I can always kind of see both sides. Um, but yeah, I think we both really enjoyed this movie. But that movie or that scene, just I was just like, is it done? And it's like he's giving birth out of his back. That's the one that fucked me up. Yeah, the, the, the birth out of the back was probably the peak. Also, why does it scene. have to be so up fucking close? I love it's up close <gasps> and it's and it's nasty. They're all it's kind of fucking slimy and shit. And it just like gets like I said, it just gets more disgusting as it goes along. It is one of those scenes that keeps on giving you good good fucking visceral horror good wtf good wtf alex garland kudos man you always make me say what the fuck whether it's annihilation or fucking i think he had something to do with the 28 days later movies those those fucking really fucked me up uh but yeah alex garland kudos man you're always making me say what the fuck uh what was your most what the fuck moment so you were just talking about speak no evil and (laughs) you would think that i would also say like oh the the scene where they're get stoned to death but it's actually a scene where, by this point in the movie, they're trying to get away. Uh, they know the people are bad. They're, they've realized at this point this couple that they're, uh, like, visiting away, like, kind of rooming up, having a couple's thing with, um, are serial killers. And they're all in a car together. They've, they've failed their escape at this point out in the middle of this cold kind of uh, cabin in the woods movie. I didn't really think about it. Um but you understand that this couple takes the child. They always go after a couple with a young child. Right, because by the time we're at this point in the movie, we they find the photos yeah. of them with all of, the of these other kids. Families. Of yes. all these kids. So Including you know they the keep kid get- that they currently have that you realize isn't their kid. And no, he doesn't have a condition where he can't talk. He doesn't have a fucking tongue. Yeah. But in the middle of them, you've, you've got the... the antagonist couple and the protagonist couple and the protagonist couple's child is in the car and you realize that they're going to take their child now this uh little girl and i this scene stuck with me a lot which is is why it's a what the fuck for me but it was also i didn't expect it to happen the way it does they basically hold the mom on one side of the car make the the dad on the other side of the car wait while they cut the daughter's tongue off and you see it and you see it and all its fucking glory i was thinking you know like obviously they're horrible people obviously they're serial killers you know they're also abducting kids and like keeping them for however long until they pick a new kid but it's like 
it's the fact that they don't take her away. They don't do it in any kind of like, here's some medication. Uh, we're going to put you under and take your tongue out. Like, no, they harshly, crudely cut this fucking little girl's tongue out of her head while the parents are being held back and have to watch. Yeah. It is so fucking uncomfortable. Like you got a pair of those Fiskers? Just let me cut that tongue out. That's it. And uh, yeah, that's my uh, what the fuck moment. That is a pretty intense what the fuck moment. I yeah, I'm I, that movie does that scene does stick with you. It's 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 fucking hard to watch. That whole movie sticks with you. And yeah, the more I think about it, the more it's like, damn, just so many impactful scenes. Like you talk about the little boy that they had with them when they mm-hmm. first met, and the scene where he just kind of he like taps on the guy's the the dad's shoulder. He turns around and he opens his mouth. And you just see he has no fucking tongue. It's like, yeah. God, it's like, it's just, they show you the things that you're like, surely they won't show us that. They're like, no, they fucking show you. Yeah. And they and don't hold anything back. It's also, it's, it's just a beautiful movie. The scenery, the setting. Um, I'm always a fan of, you know, watching foreign movies. They're always something a little different than getting your typical yeah. American horror. And this is just a beautiful movie, but be warned. Yeah, be <laughs> warned for sure. There's a gruesome death in the what the fuck moment award here for this one. Yeah. So enter and watch at your own risk. Our next category, our next award is for the best jump scare. Oh, I love jump scares, Man. but it got to be a good one. It does have to be a good one. So for me, the best jump scare, the one that made me like fucking jump out of my seat in the theater was uh, Barbarian, which was our film of the year. Mm-hmm. Fucking Keith, when he gets killed down in those tunnels. When Mama come running. When, when we first see Mama. Because it's like, obviously, you know a jump scare is coming. Because uh, Georgina Campbell, Tess, she's got the flashlight. She's aiming it around. She's, she doesn't know where to fucking go. Yeah. You know, it's like you're getting you that whole fucking. you kind of hear something. You kind of hear yeah. it. And, and, and Keith says, it's like, there's someone else down here. There's someone else down here. And you're like, what the fuck? But when we first see her, and then she just grabs his fucking head and smashes him against the rock. It to me that that is a beautiful, beautiful scene. Yeah. And literally, like when she comes on screen, you hear those fucking footsteps. I'm like, oh shit, that was a good jump scare. I was say, the f- footsteps in any movie fucking scares the hell out of me. Yeah. So whether it's this, but you gotta fucking, follow up well. Right. Bingo. Because the thing is, like, uh, kind of what made me think of it is I absolutely love it when uh, Toshio in the Grudge is like running around the bed, but you can't quite see him. You just hear the cat noises and like the feet, and then he's just like, like out of nowhere. <laughs> you and your fucking sound effects. <laughs> and he's he's so you. he's so scary, and that's kind of how this is. Like you're in this dark catacomb, you hear her like giant thundering fucking footsteps yep. as she's running. And it's just, it did, like, that was one of those almost toss the popcorn kind of jump scares. It was a toss the popcorn jump scare. It's our toss the popcorn award. Oh, that's a good We're not the VMAs, <laughs> we're the ZMAs. The ZMAs, hashtag ZMAs, guys. Let's get that trending on whatever the fuck you're doing on social hashtag media. Kurt's world. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> guys, welcome to Kurt's world. <laughs> My best jump scare is one that I think was really smart. We kind of talked about this before. Um, I... Uh, I, I'm almost a little sad that we didn't talk about this movie more. We'll probably come back to it, but Smile is one of my favorite movies of the year. Smile uh, it was kicked really, so much ass. It was really, really close to being my my favorite movie of the year. Um, but there's the scene where uh, our main character is sitting. Uh, she's got her laptop up. She's in the dark kitchen of her freaky house with too many fucking windows. And... Um, she's playing this audio over and over and she's got like headphones on like big over the ear headphones. And then there's that jump scare 
where the entity appears like right fucking next to her as she's listening to the sound I'm over a and over. For those jump scares. But it's it's done so well because again, there's no sound cue, just like yours. There's no like harsh, sharp violin string to kind of scare you into that jump. But it's the fact that you have this scene that builds so well by her listening to this audio over and over and over and over and over. And it's getting louder and louder and all of a sudden, bam. And that that scene fucking, it takes the cake for me. It's the scariest. I know whenever I go to sit down, we just finally got that on Blu-ray. just recently came out. Whenever we go to fucking watch that again, it's probably still just, it, it's going to be one of those scenes that gets me every time. Yeah, I, I love a good director and filmmaker who can play with the audio and Mm -hmm. parker finn does that so well and i remember being in the theater for that one too and you're absolutely right because and with the jump scares like it's not i say i knew it was coming that doesn't make me love it less in fact it makes me love it more because if i know it's coming and you still fucking get me Mm -hmm. that kudos see and that's what i mean and that's the thing you know it's coming but fuck, it still gets you. That's what I mean by a really good, well-executed jump scare. Because there's, you always get the ones where there's like a loud bang or like it's something that's not really scary, but it's just a loud noise to get you, you know, anxious while you're watching the movie. But if you are into horror enough, you can kind of see these things where they're clearly building a scene. You know it's going somewhere. You're getting that anticipation. You know, you're getting the, the viewer hooked and they're waiting and waiting and waiting, and they know it's coming. But yes, if it gets you, that's how you know it's done right. It's it's incredibly well done. One of the best jump scares. Uh, again, kudos to Parker Finn. Uh, man, just fucking scared the shit out of me in that theater. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Our last award for the night. We're coming to a close. Thank you for joining us for the Horrorzoid Awards. Again, this is our last category, so... Tip your valet on the way home. Yes. Uh, no, we will not be comping the meals. You will be. Have, you will have to pay for those. So uh, eat up, everybody. Uh, most underrated film of the year. Mm-hmm. And for me, again, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but uh, I went with a film, not that wasn't talked about enough, mm-hmm. but was literally underrated to me because I just saw so many people trashing it, mm-hmm. and I don't see why. I literally can't find a reason why. For me, it's men. Yeah. Men, like you say oh, I can see why people said negative things about it. It's like, I I really can't. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it had so much to love about it. Jesse Buckley, amazing performance as the lead actress, just deserves so much credit. I'm glad you said that because there are some, it's a visceral movie and she does some of the most real arguing I've ever seen in a movie. Oh, her and her husband. Yes, those scenes are some of the most uncomfortable, realistic arguments. Hands down, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Jesse Buckley did amazing. A- Alex Garland, one of my favorite directors, just always, always delivers something special. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have Rory Kinnear, who plays the the men in the movie. Mm-hmm. He's the the guy who's the got all the faces. The same face on the all same the face on all the yeah. people. It's and it's creepy and it's uncanny valley. But you get this kind of gross scene with the the men giving birth. You get this great drama between Jesse Buckley's character and her husband. You get mm-hmm. gore with his suicide i mean it's a hardcore trigger warning there's suicide in it and it is fucking brutal right but to me it's like again i look at it it's like it had great statements about feminism had great acting great directing you know had gore but not too much had the right amount of drama had just again i don't see any reason why this movie doesn't deserve anything but praise and i i mean i'll just i i 
I know he put a lot of praise, but I really enjoyed this movie. The only thing that I can see, and I don't want to say, because I hate it when people say this, um, I feel like it's very rare that you can say it and mean it. I don't want to say people don't understand this movie. I think they understand the movie. I just think it's not their type of movie. And that's totally okay. Because some people don't like his other movies. He's got a... A very otherworldly style. There's even God. There's a scene in this movie where everything's just so excessively green. I'm like, green. this is fucking I know unnatural. Exactly what you're talking about, yes. But you look at other movies that he's done. How beautiful he can create these worlds like Annihilation, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's something just special about that to me. Maybe it wasn't necessarily his topic to pick. I know that was something that was kind of thrown around, but I I really like this movie. I agree. I think. You know, it, it was talked about a lot. It was pushed everywhere. Obviously, everyone kind of made jokes. We're like, oh, a horror movie called Men? Duh, it's going to be the scariest thing ever because right. men. I think but, people were more interested in the jokes and the punchlines. And then we're like, right. oh, it's a real movie. And it's yeah. like, it was it was an A24 movie. So it's mm-hmm. like, obviously, it's like it, A24 is getting to that reputation where it's yeah. like, oh, it's an artsy fartsy kind of horror yeah. movie. And not everybody is, like you said, yeah. that's not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. But and we're, me, we're definitely not the top hat monocle wearing, like, artsy fartsy, like, oh, this is elevated horror. You just don't understand. Fucking speak for but... yourself, plebeian. <laughs> no, I, we are. Like, I was again, I will go back to the fact that we did an entire episode about Rob Zombie, guys. Right. We are not highbrow <laughs> horror fans. No. But I really did. I thought this had a great statement and sentiment, and it was well executed in every single way. Uh, yeah. Most underrated film for me, men. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Well, I disagree because my most underrated film of the year uh, also involves men. I'm seeing a theme of the feminism here. Remember what I said, Uh, the evil that men do films. And evil that men do films. This is kind of another one. Uh, Is Glorious. I fucking loved this movie. This was a great fucking movie. It's a slow burn. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. you have to wait. You have to wait it out. And until you start to understand, because it gives you bits and pieces slowly. Uh, there's a lot of dialogue, very minimal. It's like in a fucking rest stop bathroom. There's not a lot of movement in this movie. No, it's very theater because it's a, you know you have mm-hmm. two actors mainly right. Ryan Quanton and J.K. Simmons, and, right. and all J.K. Simmons lends is his voice. His voice. And yeah. it has a it's like a one room one setting kind of film, mm-hmm. and it, it's it, but it is it's it is theater though because you get so much beauty out of this very small intimate close setting yeah with these two actors and they play off of each other so well mm-hmm. and again rebecca mckendry uh, as I, I gave her a yeah. shout out earlier is a female director who just killed it this year yeah glorious came out beautiful. of nowhere and stunned me beautiful movie cosmic horror uh another... yeah how often do we get to talk about good cosmic horror right and i love the concept and i'm just gonna spoil the fuck out of it but the guy that is stuck in here is a serial killer. He's not a good guy. The whole beginning of the movie, you think, oh, he's a great guy. Oh, he's lost his wife. Like, what's happened here? Like, he seems upset. And he's got all of these things that's clearly tied to a woman. And it just feels like maybe he is mourning somebody. Um, and he kind of is. But he's also a fucking serial killer. Yeah. He's not a good guy. Not Jason Stackhouse. <laughs> but you have this entity who's like, oh, I've seen the good that humanity can do and I love this planet and I don't want to let it be destroyed and you have to die so I can save it and you have this fucking great scene where he thinks he needs to stick his dick in the glory hole in the bathroom hence Uh, the title glorious hence hence the title glorious where this entity kind of speaks through this little hole in the wall 
Uh, he's in the bathroom stall, not to be looked at. He's very Lovecraftian. It's you know, orby. He, it's visceral. It's gonna. It's yeah. It's yes. very kind of. He's like an intestine monster. Yeah, you just kind of see little bits and pieces under the the stall door, but you know. The, and I wish I had it up. I could say it verbatim, but he basically is like, "Your human dick is not what I need to save humanity." And it's just, it's fucking hilarious. The ultimate statement about men. And putting their the, dicks where right. shit doesn't belong. Thinking, but thinking that the answer to everything is their dick. Right. It's just because they're a man. Right. It's and like, well, surely my dick is enough to save the world in this glory hole. Right. And you can also play it off too with with you know Ryan Quanton's character. Mm-hmm. It's like it's a glory hole. Right. And he's asking for him to give him something to save the world. Right. You can infer. One could infer that yeah. that's what they meant. And, so there's a little bit total, of a plausible deniability there. Total but kudos yeah. to Ryan Quanton for the way he can portray his emotions with his facial expressions because he's like looking at the whole like because there's like graffiti in the bathroom so it looks like this little monster with a mouth basically right and you know which is kind of obviously another symbolism for the creature on the other Mm -hmm, side mm -hmm. but the way he kind of looks at it like uh i don't know if i want to do that and it's like we don't want you to do it don't do it right he goes back and forth on it and then finally he's like no surely it's my dick but (laughs) i will say also um and i i might have to check in with this person because i remember i posted this clip on tiktok because as we do and there's a beautiful scene where it's just raining blood in the bathroom and there's this beautiful music playing. And you know the beautiful music is covering the screams of somebody who's getting ripped apart by this creature. Yep. And it's so beautiful. Like the heart rolls on the floor in front of him. And if that's any reason to watch the movie, it's that fucking scene. But also to stick along for the ending and see what happens. Because, I don't know, I think this movie deserves... The fucking world to see it. Yeah, it's not often we get to use the word cataclysm, but it is a very cataclysmic ending. Yes. Yeah, for certain. Guys, that was the Horrorzoid Awards. Thank you for joining us. It's the first year, hopefully, of many that we get to do these. This is a blast. I can't think of a better way to end the year. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being with us for all of 2022 Thank that we've been so doing much, this. Thank you so much, guys. It's, it, I know we're only, we're only on like 23, 24 episodes here, but... It has been an absolute fucking blast. Yep. 2022 has been an amazing year. We can't wait to talk about all of 2023 and then have our same awards next year. Yeah. So you got to stick around and listen and let us know what you like along the way. And we got some exciting shit coming up next Hell year. Yeah. Saw 10. Saw X oh is coming God. out. Evil Dead Rise. 2023 is going to Scream be. Scream 6. So fucking amazing. Yeah, we've already got some big stuff announced. So yeah. yes, stick with us. 2023 sure to be another great year in horror. Again, we plan on launching Patreon next mm-hmm. year. So stick with us for updates on that. And again, Horrorzoid.com for any updates you may be looking for. But again, thank you guys. And with that being said, we'll leave you with this. First of all, a podcast takes a lot of work, okay? You have to organize the guests. You have to do a Google Calendar. And then you, you you build a following. It takes a long fucking time. And I've been working on it for a while. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop every weekend. Follow us on TikTok at Pod and send emails to HorrorzoidPod at gmail.com with your thoughts, questions, and stories for us to read on a future episode. To all our Zoids out there, Stay scary.